0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily,
0: the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. This is to a degree kind of that thing we know as talking season. Now, listen, as someone who talks every day and kind of does that for a living, I'm a big fan of talking season. I've told you all this before. I like preseason content. I like hot takes about who's going to be good and who's going to be not and, you know, kind of everything related to all of that. I just kind of get into that. I mean, listen, you know, on a show like this, we spout opinions all the time. About half the stuff we say turns out to be right. About a half the stuff we say turns out to be, in some cases, hilariously wrong. But that's a batting average I can kind of live with. The point is, we're trying to have a good time. We're trying to be hopefully as entertaining as we possibly can be and obviously you know share our love for the sport of college football and this springtime of year heading into the summer is a great time to be able to do some of that kind of stuff so I'm about to share some of this with you some of this coming from other places some of this coming from you know SEC Country Live the show that I do each and every week and you're about to hear some things said about Georgia but here's the thing I want you to listen to and I want you to listen for this very carefully I want you to see if you can notice the thing that doesn't get said in any of this. And that's going to be really important here over the course of the next couple of minutes. The stuff that does not get said about Georgia, and and maybe when you realize what people are not saying about Georgia... Maybe it'll allow some of you, who may need to kind of recalibrate things a little bit after what George has gone through the last couple of weeks, maybe this will give you a chance to do that. Let me start with this. Andy Staples, longtime college football writer, graduate of the University of Florida, and that is important because of what you're about to hear uh, said here, makes a visit on the Paul Feinbaum show. And Paul, as he kind of does from time to time, sort of trying to stir the pot here a little bit and referencing some of what his callers have to say about what the expectations expectations should be are for georgia here this upcoming season and staples from the athletic makes a pretty clear case that things are actually looking pretty good for georgia as you get ready to begin the upcoming year this paul feinbaum interacting with andy staples take a listen to this
1: yeah you know uh, because you're a florida guy the the georgia fans are calling up and uh, they're about to win another national championship in the spring what do you have to say about the dogs chances this year
0: I think this is a good chance for them. Things set up pretty well if you look at the schedule because the West is going to be a bloodbath, but they avoid Alabama, Texas A&M, and LSU. And the fact that Florida has to play LSU and Alabama, I think, makes the road pretty tough for the Gators. So Georgia, in terms of just how things set up for them, it's pretty nice. So I think it's really interesting there. Paul trying to stir the pot. Ah, oh, these Georgia fans, another spring national title or whatever, you know, dumb simp thing that he's saying there. And, you know, Staples, who I'm not always the world's biggest fan of, but in this particular case, gives him a little bit of a stiff arm there and says, no, listen, actually, things sit up pretty well for UGA. And he mentions the schedule. And I do think that's really important to note. We probably don't talk about that enough, and we should. You know, we can all recite the examples of maybe Georgia dealing with a little bit of bad luck here and there, but to have a team on paper that looks the quality that Georgia's does playing the schedule that it's playing this year honestly from a schedule standpoint it works out pretty well now obviously Georgia has the huge week one game against Clemson and that is of course a uh, big deal you know perennial playoff team and everything else but if you can get past Clemson big if of course but if you can get past Clemson all of a sudden you have somewhat smooth sailing uh, a bit you know pretty you know prohibitive favorite for the next several weeks until you get to Florida Georgia favorite really in that game there as well but but the chances of Georgia being 7-0 and going into Jacksonville to play Florida that is not a, a impossible task just given the fact that you expect to be competitive against Clemson and then what happens after that a lot of new coaches a lot of teams you beat a year ago from a scheduling standpoint it does kind of set up really well for Georgia but then it gets even more interesting than that and this is the part admittedly as a Gatorator and obviously we have a really good time with that kind of stuff this is where I think it gets even more interesting than that. Because Staples makes it really clear that you know the idea of what Florida did a year ago and using Kyle Pitts and using Kyle Trask and you know Dan Mullen who had gotten so much love that you know while Staples doesn't use this phrase it seems fairly obvious on the basis of what you're about to hear Andy say on the Paul Finebaum show that. There is a degree to which the Florida last season may have been a little bit of a one-hit wonder. a Dexie's Midnight Runners, or a, I don't know, you can sort of select your favorite one-hit wonder from the uh, from the annals of the musical past. But one way or another, it sort of seems like maybe Andy thinks that, in this case, maybe Florida may be college football's version of a one-hit wonder from a year ago. This more from Andy Staples. And also if you look at the fact that they feel comfortable with the quarterback they have with JT Daniels, uh, they bring back a lot of talent. The Florida fans are, are getting all over Georgia because Florida beat them last year. It was a really good Florida team. It was the best Florida team probably since 2009. I don't know that Florida is going to be able to, to replicate that this year. I think Georgia is going to be quite a bit better. So they have every opportunity here. Now, if they don't do that, let's say Florida wins the East, Florida beats them in Jacksonville, then they should start getting pretty mad. They should start saying, okay, what are we, what are we doing here? But I really do think things set up pretty well for them. So I think it's obviously at the end of that, you know, pretty interesting and, and clearly there is pressure on Georgia to do something this season after what appears to be a little bit of regression over the course of the last few years going from national title game to close loss in the SEC title game to blowout loss in the SEC title game to not qualifying for the SEC title game a year ago. There was a little bit of regression here over the course of the last few years and if you're Georgia, you probably want to address that and, you know, make sure you do something to deal with all of that and so I think Andy's right to say there's a little bit of pressure there but... There is also the kind of roster balance in place at Georgia right now that makes handling that pressure and thriving under those circumstances a lot easier to do. Georgia is more settled at quarterback than they have been in quite some time. Georgia does have the, it would seem to be the components in place to be high-powered on offense in a way they just haven't really been able to do over the course of these last few years, that's worth noting. Also, kind of a funny aside, enjoyable if you're a UGA fan and a Gator hater. Andy Staple says there, listen, last year this was the best Florida team since 2009. Well, that so-called best Florida team in years lost, what, four times? <laughs> that's kind of enjoyable to uh, think about that. But let's stay on Georgia here for a moment because... That's an example from you know the Paul Feinbaum show, Andy Staple saying, Boy, I really like what Georgia brings to the table. I like the fact they have this, you know, chance offensively because of the quarterback, and all of a sudden you do that against a manageable schedule. And then yesterday on SEC Country Live, and by the way, so many of you continue to be so nice, and it's so good to see in our live comment section for those who are able to watch the show live, familiar, you know, faces and voices from the uh, dog nation side of things there on SEC Country Live. I told y'all before, a lot of these Florida fans and LSU fans fans and Alabama fans and everybody else. They love to kind of get in that comment section and give me grief. So I need a little backup from uh, Georgia fans when we do SEC Country Live. Many of you have been nice enough to do that. Yesterday on the show, SEC Country Live, which is Wednesday 3 p.m. on the SEC Country video channels, SEC Country and Facebook, SEC Country Live on YouTube. We had Dave Bartu on, the analytics type expert. He has a website called College Football Matrix. And he was talking about a little bit about, you know, from a numerical standpoint, kind of what you saw from Georgia offensively last year and kind of what that has a chance to do for this upcoming season. Now, let me just say this really quick. The audio quality on this is terrible. For some reason, his cell phone is just not very good. So when we play this clip, let's not turn let's not turn it up too loud. Let's make sure we keep it just a little bit low because it's popping. It's kind of a weird uh, audio quality, but I want you to hear it nonetheless because there's a pretty interesting stat that Dave Bartu on SEC Country Live delivered yesterday. So tolerate this for about 20 seconds and see if you can make out what he's saying. Take a listen to this.
2: Defensively, with smart, you expect them to be good. Now, offensively, this is where I think it really gets interesting, is that JT Daniels off the field, not playing for Georgia, scoring efficiency for the offense was 114 last year. On the field, it was 14. So if you're a Georgia fan looking for some hope that the offense turns around, Although Daniels didn't
1: play a lot of games, the scoring efficiency when he was in there was very, very good.
0: So think about that. I mean, I think that's uh, you know that's really very interesting to hear uh, uh, Dave Bartu, even through the kind of the, the challenges of the audio there, saying, hey, dramatic change offensively once JT Daniels became your starting quarterback and the guy that Georgia expects to build its offense around for this upcoming season. I think that's really good stuff from Dave Bartu when it comes to SEC Country Live. So So let me go back to where I started the show. With the thing that you're not hearing right now being really interesting, whether it be Dave Bartu from SEC Country Live yesterday, Andy Staples from the Paul Weinbaum show this week, talking about Georgia, manageable schedule, upgraded on offense. Yet no one seems to be putting the caveat with that right now. By no one, I mean kind of the people outside the Dog Nation bubble, outside the bubble of UGA fandom. Those of us who kind of obsess over this, me talking about every day, you following it every day. Those of us who obsess over this have been obsessed with, well, what does Georgia do in light of the George Pickens injury? How does Georgia maintain its status as a title contender with George Pickens not on the field? But people who are a little farther removed, Andy Staples, national writer working for the Athletic, Dave Bartu, analytics guy, you know, following all the college football data and information way out there, out west, I think he lives in Oregon, they're not as fixated on the George Pickens injury as we are. The thing that you're not hearing is, well, you know, Georgia doesn't have George Pickens, so therefore it's no longer a national championship contender. Now, listen, I don't don't want you to get me twisted on this. I've told you before, I do believe the Pickens injury makes things much more difficult for Georgia. For, For an offense that's trying to be way better than it's been in the past, obviously not having a guy as good as Pickens is makes it much more difficult to take that big step forward. But it clearly doesn't make it impossible because Andy Stables didn't even mention on the Feinbaum show. Dave Bartu didn't even mention it on SEC Country Live. And kind of on and on and on you're going to go where people don't really downgrade their expectations for Georgia because of the fact that George Pickens got hurt, including you know, you know know some of the sports books, things like that, who have national championship odds. You've really seen no change in those whatsoever through all of this, too. So I think it's really interesting for the Georgia fan who th- thought, hey, this is a year we can win the national championship, my team can, but all of a sudden George Pickens gets hurt, well, I guess all of that's done. You're not as deep as you thought you were if one injury changes everything in that regard. And in Georgia's case, it is deep enough with a schedule that's manageable enough and confident enough in its quarterback situation, although all of a sudden the George Pickens injury is not as difficult to to navigate around as maybe some Georgia fans initially thought it might be. So do with that what you will. A lot of hype out there for Georgia right now. Paul Feinbaum kind of mockingly calls it another spring national championship, but whether it be Bartu's point about the the statistical improvement for the Georgia offense with JT Daniels at quarterback, or Andy Staples' point about how much better the Georgia schedule looks in comparison to a team in the East like Florida and some of the obviously uh, really, really stiff competition that exists out West reasons to like Georgia, and those reasons are not negated simply because George Pickens got hurt. So some fun to start the uh, program here today. Georgia's clearly in the thick of the conversation around the college football world right now with G-Day looming and a big season for the Dogs coming up after that. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Merryweather and Tharp and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio at Noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast. However you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com, we are just really glad to have you as a part of the program here today, and I am very, very appreciative to have our friends at Merryweather and Tharp bring in all possible. You know, Merryweather and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce, and listen, the D word, you know, divorce, is one of those things, even when I say it on a show like this, it stops people in their tracks, right? The content that we present on this show hopefully is really fun and engaging and enjoyable, But the idea of divorce is not enjoyable for anyone. Uh, It's a stressful, scary process to go through. And so if I had the power to say magically this is not true for you, obviously I'd wave that magic wand if I could. But in real life, there are no magic wands. In real life, there is no easy way to erase... You know, pain and discomfort. You have to go through certain things. And when it comes to the divorce process, the one thing I can tell you is while I can't magically make it disappear, if you find yourself dealing with it, I can give you an advocate to walk with you alongside you as you go through all this and leave you in a place at the end where you're actually better off than you otherwise would be. Made whole again with your family, finances, everything else that goes along with that. That's what Meriwether and Tharp has the ability to be able to do for you. They've been through situations like these thousands of times and they want to put that knowledge gained through that experience to work for you. So please check them out online, TheAtlantaDivorceTeam.com, TheAtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Merryweather and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. We'll get Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today, and I found something that I think is really cool, and I want to make sure that all of you check this out as well. So when I post the show at dognation.com later on today, I'll put a link to this. Uh, just make sure that you're aware of this. Our radio partner in Athens, uh, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, is also partnered with the Atlanta. Uh, should say the Athens Touchdown Club, and Georgia coach Kirby smart made an appearance at the Touchdown Club of Athens here this week. And our buddy Dave Johnson, who does the morning show there for 960 The Ref, had a chance to sit down with Kirby Smart for a very good interview. This is really worth your time. I'm going to put a link to this when I post the show a little bit later on. I want to give you a brief taste of this, though, in the hope that you'll go check out the full thing there online at 960theref.com. That's the website you can go to to find the entire thing. Obviously, Dave doing a show in Athens one of the questions that comes up is How's the Athens area quarterback, Brock Vandegrift, the five star signee from the class of 2021? How is he doing right now when it comes to uh, Georgia football practice? And Smart, I thought, gave a really interesting answer for kind of how. Vandegrift is getting acclimated to college life. This from the uh, website 960theref.com with Kirby Smart. Very interesting on Georgia's five star quarterback signee going through his first spring practice. Take a listen to this.
1: Brock's done a great job. I mean, coming from Prince and coming into our system, it's not a system that's going to be really quick and easy to learn, which that, you know, well, hey, that's what college football is. There's yep. no position harder to play than the quarterback position at the college or pro level. And he's coming into a completely new system mid year and he's on practice nine, and he's so humble that, you know, he asks questions. He's not afraid to say what he doesn't know, which some people don't realize how valuable that is because a lot of kids won't say what they don't know. He's not afraid to admit that. So that allows him to grow, and he grows fast through that. So we're excited about what he can do, and he's moved around. He's really athletic and done some good things.
0: Two things here about what Kirby Smart says there. First of all, can you imagine the luxury that Georgia kind of finds itself in right now of not asking too much from a guy like Vandergriff upon arrival there at UGA. There have been times in the past where think about 2016 is a for instance when Jacob Eason comes in as a former five star and you look at him and say, "Hey, we may need you to start right away." Now Eason didn't start week one against Virginia, but he is—I should say North Carolina—but he essentially became the quarterback, you know, during that game and obviously went on to uh, kind of be that guy for Georgia that year. You know, he didn't have the luxury of standing to watch to learn without the spotlight being on him. Georgia just wasn't. Deep deep enough at quarterback back then for that to be the case but as it stands right now Georgia is deeper at the quarterback spot than we're kind of used to UGA being at least over the course of the last few years and so all of a sudden Brock Vandegrift without too much pressure externally anyway to to be the guy for Georgia he can just kind of learn and get acclimated and Boy, you love Kirby Smart saying the great thing about Vandergriff is that he's humble enough to to ask. He's humble enough to, you know, kind of want to know what's going on and, and, and kind of learn. And we said this in relationship to JT Daniels the other day, that you want your quarterback to have that swagger, that confidence in some cases, maybe what you might describe as an athletic arrogance, but you also have to have a little bit of humility. Otherwise, your teammates aren't going to want to be around you. And as Kirby Smart said, you know, you're going to miss chances to learn if you sort of show up thinking you already know Everything. And so I think that's really good when it comes to Vandegrift, how detailed of an answer that Smart gives on that. And oh, yeah, by the way, Vandegrift, a part of a quarterback situation in Georgia, not just JT Daniels, the starter. But obviously, Stetson Bennett, who started games at the SEC level before, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, just a very impressive situation. Carson Beck, clearly you know, looking for his chance to, uh, you know, get a chance to do some things at Georgia. Apparently feeling pretty good about him at the moment. Just much, much deeper quarterback a year right now than Georgia would have been a year ago. Kirby Smart talked more about that there as well.
1: You know that situation is just uh, turned completely yeah. opposite. you know it's uh, from not knowing I think if we had had spring last year, I would have known a lot more. <laughs> not having the spring, not knowing anything to go into a year like last year blind was really tough. And uh, <laughs> I think you know this year, I feel really good about three guys that could go in there and play winning football right now, and uh, a young one that's gonna be really good that's growing and getting better.
0: So really good stuff from Kirby Smart, 960theref.com, the full interview there uh, from the Athens Touchdown Club, really good all the way around. By the way, speaking of Athens, before I get Terrence Edwards, let me just let you know I'm looking forward to the big events next week in Athens. Of course, G-Day, a big part of that, but also two big days of autograph signings coming to the UGA Bookstore. Of course, we love the UGA Bookstore. It's kind of been our home away from home there in Athens for quite some time. It's the spot will be for the Dog Nation post game show coming up again here after the G-Day game, but how about big autograph signings all weekend long? When it comes to the UGA bookstore, both Friday and Saturday, April 16th, April 17th, we'll add Vince Dooley into the list here to go along with Ben Cleveland and Tyson Campbell, uh, and uh, Mark Webb will be there Friday, all from uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, Vince Dooley going to be there. He'll also be back on Saturday from 12 to 2. So let me give you the full rundown here. Coach Dooley on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m., then Ben Cleveland, then Tyson Campbell, then Mark Webb. That's all Friday, April 16th from 4 to 6 p.m. at the UGA Bookstore. Then how about on Saturday, Coach Dooley back again. Azizo Ojolari, who we had on the show earlier this week to promote this big event. Richard LeCount, DeAndre Swift, them all on hand there as well. LeCount's there from 12 until 2. And, of course, uh, DeAndre Swift, Azizo Ojolari there from 10 a.m. until noon. What a big, big lineup of guests. It all goes down. UGA UGAbookstore.com. To learn more about this, you can also give them a call. 706 542 3171. That's 706 542 3171. Big, big event as we head towards G Day next weekend. Autograph guests on Friday and Saturday. A whole long laundry list of them there at the UGA Bookstore. Interesting stuff around the rest of the SEC that we'll cover before today's show is done, including potential quarterback controversy at one spot. Also, a little bit of a draft conversation that makes the Florida Gators not look very good at another spot. So we'll do all of that before we're done. But for now, on everything with UGA spring practice as it rolls on getting ready for G-Day, let's talk to our uh, great friend, the former UGA wide receiver Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards. And uh, Terrence always has so many interesting things to say. He's been a really invaluable resource for us over the course of the last few weeks as we kind of talk about what's happening, what's going down at Georgia spring practice. And, you know, Terrence, as I uh, say hello to you here this morning, certainly I appreciate your time. Boy, you really got people stirred up on Twitter over the course of the last week or so with some of the stuff that you said after, you know, you had a chance to see practice the other day, specifically related to freshman wide receiver Adonai Mitchell. I mean, I've had so many people reach out to me to say, hey, did you see what Terrence said about Mitchell? Did you see what Terrence said about Mitchell? And of course, we did see what you had uh, said about him. So uh, obviously, I need to ask you about that right now. What do you like about this incoming freshman? And what do you think he has a chance to do at the University of Georgia?
2: I think he got a chance to be a a really really good football player. I think uh, a lot of people just didn't know about him much. I don't, you know, he skipped his this last year and came in a, a year later. So I don't just think the Dawg Nation just had a chance to really see him play in high school because I think he moved from Texas to Tennessee and kind of got lost in the shuffle. But I just think the Georgia coaches did a great job identifying his skill set, being a big receiver, and one of the things that i love about the kid is he's very twitchy to be so big he can get in and out of breaks he could drop his weight with the best of them and i've always compared to him even before he got to Georgia. i think he's going to be uh in a similar role to jordan Jeffers from uh lsu two years ago that just had a breakout season with the vikings
0: i think that's really interesting for a couple of reasons first of all when you make a comparison like that it obviously gets people's attention but terrence here's the other thing you know I'm as guilty as anybody, and, you know, I I joke with myself about this all the time. I I don't mind people making fun of me on this. You know, I kind of fixate on the five-star guys, the big-time, you know, four-star guys, things like that, whether it be Jefferson from LSU, you can mention Chris Olave from Ohio State, obviously Oklahoma's had, you know, walk-on receivers who've done really well. Not all the receivers in college football who've had gigantic seasons in the last few years, they weren't all former five-star recruits. In fact, many of them weren't even four-star recruits, so... If Adani Mitchell were to arrive at Georgia, and you're not the only one who said good things about him, other other folks you know, have kind of reported that that he's looked well at practice and, and uh, looked good at practice. In fact, uh, Kirby Smart even talked about him a little bit the other day, that if Mitchell were to go on and have a really good career at Georgia, he would just be the latest in what has been actually a little bit of a recent trend of some of the best offense in the country you know, getting big seasons from receivers that were not necessarily elite recruits. Correct,
2: correct. And I think uh, a lot of people are stay saying, on. Having those well known guys. Yes, I think Alabama has kind of uh, messed it up for a lot of people because yeah. they have had five guys that were just all were and those ranked uh, appropriately. Um, but, you know, guys could come a diamond dozen. It's about identifying the talent. And I mean, think about Clemson didn't always get the best five stars, they found receivers that fit their mold and what they wanted to do. And I think uh, Coach Hankton and, and Kirby and have identified, you know, the type of player that they. Uh, we're looking for, and Mitchell
0: fit the bill. So, let me ask you one more on this topic. You mentioned the kind of unusual path that he travels to get to George, and the fact that. You know, he spent last year, the months prior to coming to Georgia, instead of playing a you know, final season, kind of doing some training work, getting ready. Is that a challenge to overcome because you're away from the football field? Or is it an opportunity to rest your body and grow your physical strength because you're not having a, a traditional senior season the way that, that some do? Is that, a, is that a good thing for Mitchell in this case? Or is it the kind of thing that he has to overcome is maybe not such a positive thing?
2: Uh, it, it could go both ways. It could go, you know, he had an opportunity to just uh, reset his body. Uh, he had an opportunity just to train and focus on the position that he chose to play. He got a chance to uh, reshape his body. He looked uh, bigger than what I saw on film when I saw him. He looked all of 190 um, right now. So, but then you you miss a year of develop as as nothing take place of playing the actual game. You can train all you want, but once those live bullets are flowing, it's just different in training. So it goes both ways. But um, from what I saw, um, he looked good. I mean, I think he's going to have an opportunity, uh, if not this year, next year, to help this team out a lot. Um, I think people are going to be really satisfied with the type of player that he will become, in my uh, opinion.
0: So what were your other takeaways from what you had a chance to see when you and your brother Robert had a chance to visit at Georgia Spring practice? How did you find the rhythm of practice going and just kind of the overall feeling that you got from what you had a chance to see?
2: Um, You know, it was one of the (laughs) Kirby-led practice, high tempo, high energy. Uh, That's just the way he's always approached practice. Um, I mean, he doesn't care who you are. He's going to coach you hard and love love on you at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw a lot of talent. I mean, I saw a lot of guys flying around. And I could tell you this, uh, you know, my my main focus was I followed the receivers around. Um, Aaron Smith is flat-out fast. Oh, my God. I mean, he, he's running by people. And they 5 to 10 yards off that pedal, and he's straight-line fast. So he's he's developed into a receiver that's really going to help us a lot. I know he hurt his wrist in the last scrimmage. Yeah. but. Help a lot, and uh, the, the, the tight end out of out of California is going to be a really really good player.
0: Good to hear, Brock Bowers. That's good to hear. Yeah, it seems like a lot of folks have been talking about him as of late. I mean, what are you seeing from him? From him is it just the crisp, crispness. Easy word for me to say, I guess, of the way that he runs his routes. What are you seeing from Bowers in particular? Because that's somebody that other folks have kind of brought up here as well.
2: Right now, he he just seems like that bigger wide receiver. Um, that's just in a tight end's body. I think that's kind of the way the tight end position is kind of formed. Now you just finding these bigger receivers that just in a tight end's body. He's a savvy route runner. He catches football and um, he can run as well. So he's going to be one of those mismatches that uh, Coach Hankton and, and the offensive staff can. Uh, convey on 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 Saturday. Just put him in a situation where he's going to be bigger than the safeties and faster than linebackers, and he's going to be a mish, mismatch problem for the next four years.
0: You mentioned Arian Smith there as well, and obviously his speed is going to be a problem for opposing defenses. And thankfully, the injury that he sustained during the scrimmage on Saturday turns out not to be as serious as otherwise could have been. I guess, but it also seems to me, Terrence, and you obviously know this so much better than I do, but it also seems to me that. If you've got that kind of speedy receiver and you're one of those other receivers that wants to work kind of underneath him going across the middle, things like that, having to be aware and opposing defense of that speed, his ability to kind of blow the top off what you want to do defensively, certainly seems like that has the chance to make things Boy, so much better and easier for the other UGA receivers there as well. This element of kind of blazing speed is not something that Georgia has always had last couple of years in that receiver situation. But the the value of of, of Smith's speed seems like it would have the chance of benefiting more than just Arian.
2: Yes, uh, most definitely. I mean, when you got a, a guy like that that uh, that's going to control the corners and the safeties, and you got uh, a savvy. Route runner like Kiers Jackson working under the middle, and let me give Demetrius some some love, man. He he's really stepped his game up the the day I was there. Then I also heard he had a nice scrimmage as well. So I know people was really concerned about you know George Pickens going out, and rightfully so. Uh, but that that room is talented. Justin Robson was a focal point that day at practice, and he had a great day. So um, uh, and Jermaine wasn't there, uh, but I'm not worried about that position in yeah. that room at all. After the the date that I saw I think the coaches can use all those guys abilities to their benefit cuz they're all different.
0: You mentioned the the kind of the mood, the vibe around it all and the way in which Kirby's always coaching everybody up and the speed with which practice goes. This is one of those things that and obviously you got a chance to see a lot more of it than I've ever been able to see. I only see a couple minutes at a time when I go, but it is the one thing that I do wish. Now I understand why you can't do this. But I do wish fans got a chance to see what the what the, what the the vibe is like during these practices, how high energy it all is with the coaches, just very aggressive and, and really, you know, teaching and, and encouraging and, you know, sometimes obviously, you know, a little bit more animated even than that. But the, the two-spot drills and how fast it all moves, the clock is ticking and everybody's getting it in. I mean, it's one of those things that there's a real contagious energy, you know, connected to this kind of stuff. And I don't know, it's just kind of a fun thing to be able to watch, even if it's like a thousand things happening at once there's just a really contagious energy about all of it I do wish more fans got a chance to experience that because I think they would be really proud of what they saw
2: Well oh, most definitely I think I think I wish the fans could see what it takes to play on college on the college level I just wish fans could really get up at five thirty and come and watch the mat drill yeah. and watch the how much energy they put into the weight room how much energy they put into the practice, how much energy the coaches put into putting these players in the best position to be successful. And I think a lot of like, man, we, we know if a player doesn't turn out the way that fans think or doesn't play well in the game, I don't think they would criticize them as much because those, you know, they're putting everything they got into yeah. it to be the best players that could be. And that's what we sign up for to be criticized but at the end of the day these players and athletes put so much energy and time into being the best that it could be and they fall short of that. You know, that's why I think a lot of players are sensitive sometimes because it I think most people just don't understand how much time and effort uh we put into our craft and if it doesn't turn out the way, you know, the fans think or I think then you know they come down on us and we that get that get hurt a little bit but you know it, they I wish they should because the energy is just so contagious in the way Kirby runs his practice.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I want to ask you a question about the defensive (laughs) side of the ball before we let you go, but let me squeeze in one more thing before we get there. You mentioned that when you were at practice, you're obviously kind of watching your position closely, wide receiver. That's something you just enjoy doing. Your brother, Robert, a former running back, obviously a great high school coach in his own right, and... I'm I'm assuming that he was probably watching those running backs closely. That's a deep crop of backs right now. A lot of folks really excited about what Kendall Milton may get a chance to do, and clearly there's a lot of excitement about Zamir White, James Cook, two guys that had a chance to move on to the NFL coming back right now. Kenny's a little bit banged up, but what did um, what did Robert if, if say if anything about what he saw from that running back situation?
2: Very deep group. Uh, minus Kenny McIntosh because he wasn't there, but man this this group is is very versatile. Uh, I mean, Kendall Milton is very uh, good. I mean, that's my first time really being that close to him. and He's a big dude, yeah. and, and, and he, he is really big. And now I can really see the explosion and the quickness from Zemir White. I mean, he's a big dude himself, but he does have some quickness and explosive to his game. And James Cook is just fast. I mean, once he catches the ball, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's running you know, by people, away from people uh, with, with effortless. Uh, I mean, that that group is, is really talented, and we're deep at that position. So um, the one thing I think Coach McGee has at his disposal is it may, not, it may be, you know, a different person each game just depending on the flow of the game, and he's very confident in having Kendall out there getting the care. So it's mm-hmm. Amir, uh, uh, Kenny, or uh, James. So he's very comfortable with the group that he's has and he's recruited well at that position.
0: I think that's really interesting. Let me finish with this. The other day, Terrence, when – Kirby Smart was asked a question about hey who's your field general on defense and he didn't hesitate to say Nicobe Dean. Obviously Dean is injured not playing right now. And I do realize that some of that's related to the position that Dean plays, inside linebacker like that, kind of a guy that's in charge of, you know, getting folks lined up from time to time. But to me it's still really interesting when Smart doesn't hesitate to answer, doesn't hesitate to 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 speak clearly on a subject and he talked about, you know, the value of Dean as a leader and the fact that even though he's injured right now, he's you know, pretty clearly, you know, out there trying to learn everything that he can and be a help to his teammates in any way possible. You know, what does that mean to you when a guy like Dean prays for his leadership, even during a spring practice in which he's not going through? And as someone who understands what's actually happening between the white lines, because you played the game, you know, you know, can you describe a little bit to us about exactly what, what Dean's leadership for George is all about? You know,
2: that that position is very important to be the leader. Uh, Last few years, I think everyone can can say that Richard was probably the more vocal guy on defense. Now he's gone now, so someone else has to step up. And the Copa Dean has has took that role, even though he's not practicing. People respect him. When you have a guy that's not practicing and they still respect, because it's easy to say, "Man, be quiet. You are not even practice. I don't want to hear from you." But uh, <laughs> when you're a team leader, when you're a team leader, and people still respect your word when you're not out there right now, that goes a long way. And it goes back to, and he reminds me a lot. Uh, not from the physical aspect, but just the leader aspect. It's the guy that we had, Tony Gilbert, okay. was, was that leader of the defense. I mean, even though he probably was, wasn't the most talented, I mean, we had a lot of guys out there from Boss and David, but Tony Gilbert was that guy who set the tone of the defense. And I think Nikola Dean is, is that guy now. He stepped in that role. I think he was it last year, but now with Richard leaving, he really is the, the focal guy that everyone is looking to from the leadership position. And when you're not practicing, it's hard to lead. And when you can lead in that practice, that lets you know how much respect
0: those guys have for him. Terrence, so good to talk to you. Such good information. Thanks for sharing it. Um, Glad you guys got a chance to see that this week, and I just appreciate the the insight on what's going down there. Hope you have a, a really good weekend. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you here on a Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp again very soon. Oh, and before I let you go, by the way, uh, let's make sure we let folks know that to get some of that great uh, instruction that, that you're providing, I know your brother Robert's doing this kind of stuff there as well, uh, give us a shout-out about how folks can get in touch if they want to uh, get a little deeper at their craft like so many of these Georgia football players have done, get that specialized training that they need. How, do they, how can folks do that?
2: Uh, you can find me on all social media, Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram at Terrence Edwards White Receiver Academy.
0: Hey Terrence, uh, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Telling you, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, that's just good stuff. Uh, Terrence Edwards saying, "Hey, I'm watching those receivers close." His brother Robert Edwards, a, a terrific former uh, Georgia running back and a, a great coach in his own right, saying, "You know, I'm watching those uh, running backs." Interesting to hear there the the feeling that. You know, Terrence sees depth everywhere he looks. He sees a guy in Zamir White who looks, as Terrence said, you know, ready to be explosive, ready to show some quickness now, another year removed from, you know, obviously two knee injuries and excitement about what Kendall Milton brings to the table there as well. There you are know, a lot of dog fans who can't wait to see well, what Kendall's able to do and, you know, a lot of belief that that group, no matter how the, the carries are divvied up, that you're gonna see big time things in the Georgia running game here this year. That's that's fun, man. That's that's really we're really really uh, you know lucky to be able to talk to a guy like Terrence, who was at that Georgia practice and obviously breaking down a lot of the stuff related to the wide receiver situation there as well. Now, when it comes to breaking down practice, that's what you want. When it comes to breakdowns in your home. That's not what you want, especially when it comes to issues like foundation, waterproofing stuff, where when it rains, and here in the Atlanta area, it may be going to rain here today, when a lot of that kind of stuff uh, goes down, you don't want that water creeping in your house, you know, spots where you can notice it, basement, crawl space, things like that, nor do you want those cracks to show up in your foundation or on your walls because you know that can be a son of a more serious problem. Many of you know you've got something to deal with on this. You just haven't taken the step towards getting it done. Please don't hesitate here. Take, uh, uh, take a look at my friends at Engineering Solutions of Georgia. Give them a call 678-ESOG now. 678-ESOG now. They'll show up. They'll handle your foundation waterproofing issues. They are proud partners of UGA, good friends of RCR Dog Nation, two full-time engineers on staff, smart people doing good work, uh, fun to do business with because they support UGA and obviously support here us here at dog nation so check out engineered solutions of Georgia today foundation waterproofing problems they can solve them 678-ESOG now that is the number to die all right let's go through a uh, couple of things here related to our SEC through first of all this is like rumor stuff I mean this is not even you know a, a real news report right now but it is very interesting how much speculation there is we, we've talked a little bit about the Tennessee players still in the transfer portal and by the way Tennessee still does not have a uh, commit for its class of 2022 yet there's all kinds of weird roster stuff going on there but you kind of left to wonder for Kovaris Crouch for a linebacker like Henry Toto you know you know what's going to happen to them you know maybe some work by Josh Heupel trying to get them to come back to the Vols program but there's also a lot of Alabama message board chatter that uh, Toto could end up at Alabama, and obviously this would be an example of the you know the rich getting richer. You know, Toa Toa has proven himself to be a good player there in Knoxville, Alabama has you know believe it or not not been quite as deep last couple of years at linebackers. You're kind of used to the tide being, so this is probably one worth watching. But my real reason for kind of bringing all this up is, in addition to if it were to happen, Alabama adding a big time player, you kind of wonder how the the feeling around all of this would change if you see kind of instead of like talent trickling down from elite programs to other places now talent kind of trickling up and we said this is exactly what would happen you know I'm a traditionalist and if given my choice I would not have kind of wild west free reign for intra-conference transfers that we're about to have a period where it seems like you're going to have a you know free one-time transfer around college football but if I had my choice I would do something to restrict that within the realm of the SEC and you know when it's a guy like Cade Mays leaving a talented program like Georgia, going to a lesser school like Tennessee. There's a little bit of a oh come on man, get with the modern times, let the kids go where they want. Same thing for Otis Reese leaving a place like Georgia. Could have been even lesser talented, kind of farther down the trough school like Ole Miss. But as we said before, be careful what you ask for, because if you make it this wide open for anybody anybody to do it, it's not going to be backups at the you know, the deepest you know, programs going to less talented places. You're going to get more parity, you're going to get less parity because eventually it's going to be players leaving bad teams like Tennessee going to good teams like Alabama. So if this were to move on and kind of, you know, if we kind of move in this direction with all of this, I think it's probably worth watching to see how the mood around this changes. Do people just sort of stand by and cheerlead for the kind of, you know, radical change that threatens the stability of the sport? If it's Alabama who's the one gaining the transfer, I think it's probably... If, uh, You know, worth following here. By the way, speaking of Bama, Drew Svoboda, we told you the other day that Football Scoop and others were suggesting he would be the replacement for Jay Graham there as as tight ends and and special teams coach at Alabama. Svoboda now in place. Most recently at Memphis, but a guy that spent some time at Rice before that. Nick Saban's praised his ability to recruit the state of Texas. That's something that that Saban had before, Uh, but, you know, Jeff Banks leaves and goes and joins the the Sarkeesian staff there, so you kind of, you know, have forced to kind of. You know, recalibrate related to all of that. And so I guess now Soboto is going to be a guy relatively inexperienced from a coaching standpoint, but a guy that Nick Saban's kind of validated here and kind of mentioning his ties to uh, Texas as a, uh, uh, the state of Texas recruiting as a potential, you know, value add for him there in the Alabama program. thought it was very interesting when CBSSports.com put out its most recent two round NFL mock draft, that one of the quarterbacks taken in the second round of the draft was former Texas AM quarterback Kellen Mon going, if you care. In this particular case, to the Pittsburgh Steelers as an eventual replacement for Ben Roethlisberger, this is a big leap forward for Mon from where he was. I think when the draft conversation first got started, it was commonly kind of, you know, thought that Mon was more of a mid-round type guy, you know, fourth-round type talent possibly. But all of a sudden now, you're seeing him sort of sliding into the earlier portion of the draft, maybe even the second round. And in this particular case, if this mock draft were to kind of play out in reality, you would see Kellen Mond being taken ahead of a quarterback that got a lot more attention than him during the season quarterback Kyle Trask, who was not mentioned in this most recent two-round mock draft, just a big change really for both guys, and really I think an echo. And I talked about this yesterday on SEC Country Live, really an echo of something we said before that we spent the entirety of last year listening listening to national media types talk about what a quarterback whisperer Dan Mullen was, what an offensive genius Mullen was, and he was certainly good enough to conjure an offense that was capable of winning the SEC East and beating Georgia. You at least have to sort of, you know, take your hat off to him, you know, in that regard. But as the kind of guy that's a a real threat permanently in the SEC, it'll never make sense to me why Mullen gets that love in comparison to a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who has a much deeper and better history of actually putting quarterbacks into the NFL. A lot of first-round picks at his time at Florida State, going back before that, when he was offensive coordinator at LSU, and maybe Mon, maybe the latest example of that. Oh yeah, by the way, the head-to-head stuff for uh, Jimbo uh, looks pretty good here too, especially after the win that A&M got against Florida last year. So I think it's really interesting that when you talk about coaches on the rise in the SEC, for 12 months last year, through almost the entirety of the pandemic, it was Mullen, 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 Mullen. Fisher not really given that. But when you see what Jimbo's building there at Texas A&M, a real threat, I believe, to Alabama in the SEC West this year. I think if you're talking about a coach who's actually building something that's capable of lasting in the SEC, to me, it's a lot more clearly uh, Fisher than it is uh, Mullen. Uh, I was going to do something on the uh, Florida, uh, the LSU quarterback competition. Let me just squeeze this in here real, real quick. So you actually have a pretty interesting quarterback battle going on at LSU. And, you know, it's it's four guys, really, right? I mean, it's it's uh, Miles Brennan coming back from injury. It's Max Johnson, who you kind of got a chance to see last year. You got Garrett Nussmeier kind of sliding into this as kind of a, a freshman that, that Orgeron has praised. And I think for now, this one is Certainly too tough to decide exactly how all of this is going to play out, but it sort of gives you the feeling of. Now I've said before, I I do believe that LSU is a bounce back team for this year. I think that's a top fifteen type team. You know, I th- I think this is kind of an LSU team that sort of after a year of not being very good, losing a lot of games, it kind of feels a little bit more like the LSU team that were that we're used to. But you almost wonder, is it going to really feel like a lot of the LSU teams that existed kind of pre Joe Burrow, Joe Brady in 2019, where you're talented really everywhere, but maybe not quite as settled at quarterback as you otherwise could be. I mean, you know, is this you know Mac Johnson team because of what he did at the end of last year? Is it Brennan's team because he kind of has the most experience now coming back? You know, you know, would a Nussmire have a chance to kind of slide in and, and, and win that job? I think the quarterback situation at LSU right now, the fact that you've got so many potential answers there, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder, is it, is, it, is it too many for anybody to truly distinguish themselves? This feels very much like some of the LSU quarterback conversations and competitions that existed prior to the big year for Burrow and Brady in 2019. That is ongoing and Ed Orgeron talked a little bit about that yesterday. So uh, follow that. We'll make that your SEC through. So as we uh, wrap up here today on this Thursday, first of all, let me send out well wishes to the six former UGA golfers competing in the Masters here this weekend. So excited about this golf tournament taking place in the spring again. I love what Kirby Smart put out on Twitter with his own video message to all those guys. And uh, we'll obviously watch that very closely to see how they do. Many of you enjoying the events at Augusta National here this weekend there as well. So best of luck to the uh, dogs on tour as they play at augusta national here this weekend very very nice showing for georgia there in that regard also don't forget to continue to submit to me i'm a little bit behind on my golden shoe submissions i apologize on that but uh if you want to be considered for our gator header roll call in our golden shoe hit me up on twitter at dog nation daily we'll get a chance to get you rewarded there also don't forget to be a subscriber to dog nation on youtube sign up for those notifications so you know every time we go live and see all the great video content from dog nation on youtube sign up for that today How about our Gator Hater Countdown? 205 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win over those lousy, stinking Gators. That's going to be so much fun. Thanks for being here, y'all, on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Hope you have a great day. I'll see you back here again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews can take care of your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs. It's the time of year many folks think about that air conditioning given the uh, warm weather that's been here and on the way even more than that if you're worried that your house not going to stay cool this spring and summer get your system tuned back up to factory for specs rsandrews.com for a lot more on that all right i'm gonna take a lot of your comments here and don't forget if you want to be a part of this just hit me up on twitter at dog nation daily or drop your line in our comment section there when i post the show at dog good stuff all the way around on all of that let me start here on uh, facebook for i should say on Twitter here for a moment where Chuck Billingham reached out to me I'm going to do this in the show tomorrow I should have done it before now um that Jay Rome the former Georgia tight ends now boxer sports center uh, tweeted out some video of this just absolutely leveling uh somebody knocking him out um knocking him out of the ring kind of like shades of is it I'm gonna date myself of course this is way before I was born anyway but is it Jack Dempsey, Gene Tunney—is that the fight where that guy got knocked out of the ring thousand years ago? That's what Jay Rome does to this dude here. I'm glad that Chuck shared that with me because I want to show this in the show too. Very impressive stuff from uh, Jay Rome, the great former Georgia tight end. By the way, I'll say I, I was doing a lot of high school football games, you know, broadcasting them back in the the era in which Jay was at with Valdosta, you know, for as good as Malcolm Mitchell turned out to be at Georgia, really the player from that Valdosta team coming into UGA that you had sort of the highest expectations for What Jay Rome. Jay was a really good high school player. Very, very impressive athlete. Good player, George, too. Uh, nice to see him kind of finding his footing maybe as a boxer here. And uh, very impressive stuff. Very impressive there from the uh, former dog. On the comment section of dognation.com, a lot of folks weighing in, Related to a conversation we got into yesterday, Mike's assertion, Mike Griffith, uh, my Dog Nation colleague's assertion, that he thinks that Kendall Milton is way better than Zamir White. I believe that's what Mike said. Many of you heard the show can kind of make sure that my description of Mike's opinion is 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 accurate on that. That He thinks that Kendall Milton is way better than Zamir White. He had heard that from somebody who had been in the scrimmage on Saturday and that he doesn't trust Dell McGee to play the best running back on the field here this season that that McGee might be a blind loyalist to Zamir White and would leave a better player on the bench because of the affection that he has for Samir for whatever reason. I obviously think that's completely ludicrous and a lot of folks kind of weighing in on that. I mean listen, I don't think it's ludicrous that Kendall Milton has a great season. I think there's a chance that ends up being quite true. I mean Kendall is a really good looking player, uh, you know You know, very good-looking prospect. I have huge expectations for him. The part that I think is just asinine is the idea that McGee would somehow not play the better of the running backs. Or if McGee was considering doing that, the fact that Kirby Smart would just sort of stand idly by and let him do that. I mean, uh, after all, the buck stops the head coach when it comes to something along those lines. There's a lot of folks weighing in on that. Vet Dog here in our comment section at dognation.com says that Mike's being too much of a propagandist on this one. I just saying, at the level of football at UGA, position coaches having favorites and overruling the head coach is preposterous. Can anyone tell me who the starting running back was for the 2017 season? Exactly. Running back's a position of rotation. And also with the running back, the guy with the hot hand always gets the most. So, I mean, even in the example that Mike cited yesterday of 2018, when Elijah Holyfield was supposedly the, and I use air quotes around this, starter of that season, just because you get the, you know, the first snap of the game doesn't necessarily mean anything. Even after being used in a limited fashion near the beginning of the year, DeAndre Swift ended up with more carries than Elijah Holyfield did that year. And by the way, their yards per carry average is actually fairly close to the same. So the notion that somehow it was an egregious act of favoritism to to play Elijah Holyfield, given how good Holyfield was in 2018, that's not quite my take on that. Uh, but nonetheless, even through it all, you know, DeAndre Swift ended up being Georgia's leading rusher and a guy who got more carries. Uh, UGA dad 20 also weighing in on that same topic to say that Mike totally missed the ball on this, you know, is he pushing his own agenda? He asks, uh, there's way more to playing running back one, one than running ability. Milton wasn't physically ready as a freshman to be an every down back as a freshman. That's the opinion of UGA grad 20 here as proven by his injuries. Also, I've seen many quarterbacks go down due to do assignments by running backs who may run well, but don't know, uh, the blocking protection. UG cannot take a chance on Daniels getting hurt. Their national championship hopes completely dependent on Daniels staying healthy. Any other take on who is running back one is reckless speculation. All the UG running backs will get as many carries as they can uh, and as they can handle health wise. It really doesn't matter who starts. What matters is uh, healthy rotation uh, and then distributing the management through that. And I think that's a you know a f- fairly you know simple point there as well look, this stuff has a way of working itself out. This is not quarterback. You know, you have quarterback controversy because only one quarterback can play. You don't really have running back controversy very much because it's quite possible to get two backs, a lot of carries. You can even get three, a decent number. And, you know, these things have a way of just kind of showing up. And, uh, you know, if if Kendall Milton is deserving of more carries than, than Samir White, he will make that obvious. I mean, you certainly didn't take... If you heard the Terrence Edwards interview a little earlier in today's show, relaying what his brother Robert had said by looking at the running backs, what Terrence himself had said, you certainly get the impression from that discussion that any one back was way better than the others. I think that's doing a disservice to Zamir White to say it that way. Kendall Milton may prove that here over the course of this season, but as you go into the start of the season, to say that he's already proven that, I'm not really quite sure how you would get there on that. So interesting that folks are weighing in, and but... Obviously, we love your chance to talk about this kind of stuff with us here as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, We'll come back and do that with you again tomorrow. Don't forget R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for a lot more on that. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. Hope you all have a great day, and I'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.